special guest this morning is Pastor Lorenzo Pescutz and his family from Romania. And if you all could stand up and just turn around and wave. This is Pastor Lorenzo. This is his wife, Violetta, his daughter, Gloria, and his son, Philippe, who blessed us today by paying the cajon. Wasn't that awesome? Pastor, if you could come and bring the word. It's so nice to be with you this morning. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus, and uh, I want to say a few words in Romanian. Pastor Cindy said it would be nice for you to hear some of our language. So usually when we meet each other, we greet each other saying pace. Pace means peace. So that's how we greet each other, especially, you know, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We say pace, and I bring you greetings. Uh, from Romania, from Oradea, and I'll say in Romanian that I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Vă salut în numele Domnului Iisus Hristos. Sounds interesting. Yeah. It's so nice to be with you here this morning. You've heard a lot about Romania. Probably those of you who are uh, not that young as my kids uh, you've heard about Romania. We used to uh, be under communists for many, many years. You've heard about uh, Richard Wumbrand, who escaped uh, during the communist time, came to U.S., wrote some books about his time spent in prison uh, during the communist time in Romania. I know that you've been praying for our country for many, many years, and God has answered your prayers. So in 1989, in December... We had a revolution, and uh, we changed the regime. We got rid of the old communists. We got some new ones for a while. I don't know who leads today the country, if they are, you know, Democrats uh, from the, the, not Democrats from your perspective, but Democrats from uh, the kind of government. So, uh, but it doesn't really matter, actually. What's nice is that we can meet freely, to worship the Lord, and we have seen since the revolution, we have seen people coming to Christ, because during that time, they were a little bit afraid of receiving Christ, but we have seen people coming to Christ, churches planted, we can meet freely and worship God, and this is wonderful, and we praise God for that. I would like to say right from the beginning that we fell in love with your church before knowing you. And maybe you don't know or you don't realize that you have been instrumental in some of the projects that I personally I am involved in. And I would like to show you some of uh, the things that I've been doing, kind of. Um, I uh, received the Lord right after revolution. I was born in 1974, my wife in 1975, so we lived for a while during the communist time. But I dedicated my life to Christ right after the revolution, even if I grew up in a kind of Christian home and tried to attend church. So uh, since that time, I felt God's calling on my life. I went to study at uh, a Baptist school that was in, uh, in our area that was opened right after revolution because during the communist time, and I'm, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time for you to be familiar 
with the context in Romania, during the communist time, you could not have a biblical training, a pastoral training. So if you wanted to be a minister, it was very hard. We had a seminary in Bucharest, which is the capital, and the communists allowed only four students every four years. So one student every four years. So you can imagine how hard it was for our pastors to be educated and trained in a proper <coughs> seminary. So after revolution, we had another seminary, uh, the Baptist one that was open exactly in the town that we live in, Oradea, northwest of uh, Romania, and I got the chance to study there, and uh, I graduated in 1996. Me personally, I was involved afterwards as teaching in a Bible school for some years, about 10 years. It's called Eastern European Bible College. I got this chance, and besides this, I was involved in Tabor Church in Orada. It's one of the churches that was open after the revolution. And God laid on my heart to fully dedicate my life to pastoral ministry. So in 2014, I took over the church in Lesh. And uh, we can start looking at some pictures. When I took over this church, uh, the church has been through some problems. Uh, but in the back of the church, you can see right here, we didn't have proper, proper toilets. The weather is similar to here, but not that cold in the winter. So God gave me a vision to start a project and build an extension uh, of the church. So here are the faces. We started in 2015. At the end of 2014, we had no money, just the vision. And God gave us resources and people. These are uh, young people from Washington State, Spokane. They came uh, in the summer, teenagers, and they helped us. That's my father over there. Uh, we did most of the work because my father is a construction worker. I helped him. Here we put the, some concrete. It looks different than you built, I'm convinced. So, and that's Philip over there. <laughs> he doesn't know that <laughs> I put a picture with him. And so these are the phases that uh, we built that extension with God's help and God provided. We had the vision and God gave the resources. And this is the church and that's the extension we want to have there, uh, a center for children ministry. When they build the church, they, this is how it looks now. Uh, when we build the church, uh, when the church was built, it didn't have, we didn't have the, the uh, they didn't build the proper facilities. So I said, in, I said, in order to touch the whole village, we need to solve two problems. One, to offer proper, you know, bathrooms for people to be able to use them. Because I thought if some families would come with children, they might come once, especially if they come in the winter. But I might not see them second time. So I said, we need to solve this problem. And besides this, uh, usually children are more receptive to the gospel. So I said... Let's start a ministry for the children. So we are building this extension to have a place to meet with the children and have a ministry for them to touch the whole village with the gospel. And so far, God has been so good to us and sent all the resources. And what you have seen, it's a miracle from God. It's a miracle from God. And you, uh, you saw the face, how the, uh, the building looks, like, looks now. And this year, we believe that with your help and some other people's help, we'll finish the inside and we'll be able to use and start that children ministry that we 
so much wanted to do. We had some vacation Bible studies so far, so we already started, and we, ha- we had like 40 kids coming, so we, we know that there are children, most of them from uh, non-believing families, so praise God that he's working. The second church I took over, and in Romania, uh, I, you need to know, pastors don't have only one church. Uh, in Bihor County, we have 270-some churches, and only 70 pastors. So pastors usually oversee several churches. I'm an assistant pastor in a church in the town of Oradea. The church is larger. It has a nice sanctuary built after the revolution. Uh, it seats about 400 and some people. It's a nice church. Uh, I praise God for that church. I grew up in that church. I'm assistant pastor in that church, but I have two churches that I oversee. One is the church in Lesh that I just showed you. And another one is a gypsy church in the village called Bater. Uh, and here we have already been blessed by your giving. So this church, uh, when I took over, it looked like this. They, they were building a new sanctuary. God gave the vision to some of the people in the church to start building a new church. They, the, the old church looked like, you saw it, a small thing and crowded there. So they started building the church. And at the right time, when they were like, okay, we want to open the church and use it, and they said, we don't have the resources. I took over the church and I said, I don't have the resources, but God might have them. I mean, as he provided already for the other church, I'm sure he will. So God blessed us through you, and we were able to open the church. And you see the people, this is the opening of the church last July. So, and... We had a baptismal service um, that day. Uh, we, we needed to uh, build another extension to it and have heating uh, for that church. And this is how it looks, it looks now. Thank you for, for your support. When we had the, the opening of, of that church in July, the mayor was there. Some other people were there. I, I, told, I told them, this is a miracle from because they, uh, some of them work in Western Europe, the younger ones, and with their own resources, they did part of the work. But they were like kind of stuck. We can do only this, and we don't know how are we going to able to finish it. And God provided through you. And when I shared with them, all the village, everybody present were like, hallelujah, God is so good. You know, and... They came home, and in two weeks, with some of the, with the resources you sent, we bought materials, and in two weeks, all those guys worked hard to be able to use the sanctuary. Then we faced the problem that we built, we could use, but we did not have heating, and God provided through somebody else, and we built that thing next to it. We bought the furnace, the radiators. So now the church is back for Christmas. They were back in the new sanctuary because they had to move in the old building for for winter god is so good i'm sharing this as a thank you and i'm sharing this to encourage you and for you to see that whatever you gave for god's ministry for different projects this is in romania i know you gave to other projects but i wanted to encourage you to know that what you gave we were able to use and people are happy and praising god for you you are such wonderful people and we we are so so happy for you 
uh, we were, we kind of told the church that we are going to meet you, so we were excited, and uh, when, when we met your pastors, when we now today having the chance to, to be with you, uh, our hearts are full of joy and of love, and we pray that God will give you m- much more, much more multiplied that you have given in a way that you cannot imagine. And besides the financial part, which is only a part, we pray that God will give you blessing and uh, uh, victories in all the other areas of your life. So, doesn't matter what you go through today, if you face some things or if you have some struggles, I encourage you to know God has the answer for all your problems. Are they financial? He has all the resources. You just trust in him. Are they emotional or spiritual? You just trust in him and God has the power to give you victory. I want to share with you some words. God is doing great things in our churches. Um, before leaving the church in Bater, uh, I we, we met with them. We had a nice service and I asked them a question. Are you baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? And none of them raised their hands. I was like, I knew that some of them might not have this experience, but I did not realize that none of them kind of had. An, and we, were, we are called the Pentecostal church. So I, I said, how can we be a Pentecostal church and not be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speaking tongues and not exercise the gifts? So... I was with some other young people that have experienced the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we encouraged them, and we prayed with them. And I want to tell you that Sunday, before coming here, before leaving Romania, we started experiencing God's blessings. Some of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues right there, and then that Sunday afternoon when we were in that church in Bater. So God is blessing not only the building, which is great, but God is blessing the people. Because we don't only build buildings, we build a kingdom, and kingdom is built with people. We leave the bricks behind, we leave all the walls behind. These are just tools that we use for God's kingdom, so he will build his church, and he is doing that. Praise the Lord for that. I prepared the message I hope I'll be able to share most of it. If not, no problem. God knows what you need. And I'm here willing to say whatever the Lord has for you. I prepared the scripture, and the scripture is from Luke chapter 4, verse 31 to 37. It's just a starting point for my thoughts. And my question, my desire is to find some keys or some ways to spiritual breakthrough. When talking to Pastor Cindy and Pastor Steve before coming, they told me the emphasis of these weeks and these days is spiritual breakthrough, and you fast and pray and seek God because you want to see Him working among you, using your life and this church to bring um, a spiritual breakthrough, not only in your life, but in your area, but to see God working for other people. And I was praying and seeking God, and I think some of these thoughts that God gave me, I think we can apply in our life to see spiritual breakthrough. So let's read the scripture first. Luke chapter 4. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, 
and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed of his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirit, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding areas. Look, as he writes his gospel, he starts Jesus' ministry. And we know chapter 4, after the temptation, Jesus comes out of the desert full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He enters the synagogue. He starts his ministry, his ministry reading from Isaiah uh, and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And you know all, all those verses. And the people, when Jesus identifies with him, uh, him with the Messiah, people got, who do you think you are? And, you know, they tried to kill him, but they couldn't. So he goes to uh, Capernaum, enters the synagogue again. And this time, his teaching impacts the people. People go like, wow, who's this guy? Who is this, this one? You know, we know him. We might have seen him before, but now he's teaching and preaching with, with such an authority. And it's, it, the authority was not only in his teaching, but when in the synagogue was a man with an evil spirit, Jesus manifested that authority and delivered that man who had the evil spirit. When they saw this authority and power manifested, they were in awe and asked the question, what kind of teaching is this? They were amazed. And they said some words that, you, if you will follow in Luke, you'll find them together. With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. With authority and power. Looking at Jesus' ministry, Luke, the evangelist, repeats several times, Jesus had authority and power in his ministry. And all the people were in awe and shocked. Who this guy is? He's not like our teachers. Now, people have problems today as this man had. He was in the synagogue. It would be like being in church. I mean, you come to church for many, many years. You have a struggle and nobody can help you. You have a problem that you carry so many, many years and nobody can, can do anything. And suddenly some, something happens. Somebody comes. And his teaching is different because we used to teach a lot. We used to preach a lot and nothing happens. But when Jesus comes in and, and he preaches not from himself, but he preaches with the authority that he has and exercises the power, something happens. Something happens. I will look at ourselves and I've been looking at our ministries, our churches, we face the same problems that you face. And sometimes we wonder, why don't we experience that breakthrough? Why, don't we, why can't we get rid of the things and the habits that we 
are fighting with so much and for such a long time. And Jesus' ministry, and Luke says, in order to experience that spiritual breakthrough, we need to realize some things. And first thing that we need to realize is our authority. We need to understand our authority. Jesus was preaching with authority. And the demons recognized it. And one thing that the demons said was, we know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. In the spiritual world, the demons know. We know who you are. So his authority, Jesus' authority came from his identity. Who he was. Jesus was and is the Son of God. He came on this earth, took a human body on himself, and he came to exercise and represent God and exercise this authority that he had. Jesus has authority. And if you read the gospel, all the evangelists prove his authority. Jesus had authority over nature. When they were in a storm, Jesus stood up and said to the, to the sea and to the wind, be quiet, and they obeyed. Jesus had authority. When, when Jesus met a demonized, in, look, for example, you can look Mark 4 and 5, the end of chapter 4. It's like Mark would, uh, would demonstrate and pick some miracles that, would, that reveal the area, areas over which Jesus had authority. So Jesus had authority over nature. Then Jesus had authority over evil spirits. A demonized man came and Jesus set him free. You know the story with the pigs, you know? And the demon said, let us go into the pigs. And Jesus said, go. And the man was set free and the pigs went into the sea and all of them died. So people got scared. Jesus has authority in the spiritual world. Then Jesus went to pray for a little girl. And on, on, on the way, somebody comes and touches his garment. You know that woman with, the, uh, with that problem that she had. And by faith touching him, she was healed. Jesus has authority over any sickness. Doesn't matter for how long you suffer. When you touch Jesus, when Jesus is touching you, you are healed. And Jesus has authority over death. Because you remember on the way... It took some time. The little girl died. And Jesus said, don't worry. She's just sleeping. All of them knew that she was already dead. You know? And they were weeping and crying. Oh, she's dead. Jesus entered the house with some of his disciples. To send all the people out. Told the girl, Talita Kumi. Stand up. Wake up. And she, she woke up. Jesus has authority over death. He has all the authority in heavens and earth. You remember after being crucified, after dying and being risen from the death. Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, All the authority has been given to me. All the authority in heavens and on the earth has been given to me. And after saying this, Jesus says, Now you go out and preach the gospel and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all the things that I have taught you. So after demonstrating his authority, if you, look in, in, uh, if you read in Luke, you'll see that Jesus demonstrates and then gives this authority to his disciples and say, tells them, now you go. 
I have the authority. I give it to you. Now you go. You are my disciples. You are my representatives. Now you go. He sends the 12. And then in Luke 10, he sends the 70. Or the 72 depends on how you read this and translate the scripture there. So he sends them two by two. And when they come back, there is a nice uh, verse there. Actually, if you read in Luke 9, 1, when he sends the 12, Jesus mentioned, Luke mentions that Jesus gave them power and authority. Again, these two words together. Jesus gave them power and authority. Then when he sends the, the 70, when they come back, verse 19 from chapter 10, it says so nice. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So he told the 70, those who were like the second line, you know, who, who, who he sent two by two and gave the same power and authority. He, he told them, I have given you all the authority. You have the power. You have the authority. My dear one thing that we need to realize, and sometimes we miss, especially in Romania, I don't know in states, here uh, there is, a, I mean, you are kind of ahead of us, and there are some teachings uh, where people know their identity, and they, we emphasize who you are in Christ and the authority you have. In Romania, it's, it's not that much about this teaching, so, but it doesn't matter this. So first step towards a spiritual breakthrough, or if you want God to use you, to bring deliverance in somebody's life is to realize the authority you have. Jesus gave this authority to the church and he said, you go in my name and whatever you ask in my name, it shall be given to you. So we have the authority that Jesus passed to the church and he says, go and exercise this authority. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it's very nice Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ. And you know how ambassadors are, you know? They don't have an authority in themselves. Their authority in the country that they are sent in doesn't come from who they are. It comes from who sent them. So we have authority not because we are smart, we are nice looking, we have money or whatever. Our authority doesn't come from ourselves. Our authority comes from the one who sent us. We have authority, the church has authority because we are in Christ, seated at the right hand of God. So when he sends us into this world, he doesn't send us with no resources. He sends us with the authority of Jesus' name. We have the blood of Jesus that we, we heard about this morning. No? They were uh, victorious because of the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony. Revelations chapter 12. We have this. We have the word of God that has authority over anything. And if we believe the word, we can live it out and we can experience God's presence and God's power in our lives. But it's not enough to know our authority. We need the power. Jesus gave them authority, but Jesus gave them also the power. If authority comes from our identity, who we are in Christ, I wonder where is the power coming from? So often, we all have authority in the Jesus name. Sometimes we don't realize it. We don't exercise it. But sometimes, even if we realize it and try to exercise it, nothing happens because we have the authority, but we miss the power. We need also power. And when, when the scripture speaks about power, in Greek, it's the word dunamis. There are two words about 
power or authority. Exousia, which means authority, and dunamis, which is the power to do what we have to do, what we are told to do. And Jesus says to the disciples, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall receive power, the dunamis. You have already the authority in my name, in who you are, in me, but you shall receive the dunamis, the power to do what you are expecting to do, and you shall be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit will come upon you, you will receive all the power that you need to exercise the authority that you already have to experience God's breakthrough, to experience His deliverance, to experience His power in your life, and not only in your life, but through you, He can set other people free. He can touch other people. We need the power. And the question is, where this power comes from? Obviously, from the Holy Spirit. As we receive the Holy Spirit, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, we receive His power. But it's not enough to have the initial experience. We need to get this power every day. And how do we get this power? By spending time with God. If authority comes from identity, power comes from intimacy. And you can remember this too. It's very easy. Identity, I mean, authority comes from identity, who we are in Christ. But power comes from intimacy. Time spent in God's presence. Jesus had to pray. And we so often wonder why Jesus needed prayer. He was the son of God. Come on. He had all the power, all the authority. Why would he need time to spend with his father? Because he limited himself and his model, his example, is what we are supposed to do. So he decided to not exercise his divine attributes, limited himself and said, I will do my ministry to the same power that my disciples will do. And that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So he spent time in prayer. And if you read in Luke, he almost every chapter at the beginning of the book, he mentions Jesus went aside and prayed. Chapter 5, uh, we have this um, remark. Verse 16, he went and prayed. Chapter 6, verse 12, he prayed actually the whole night before choosing the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. And in chapter 11, Jesus was praying. And after he prayed, the disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. I mean, the, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray, but Jesus, why don't you teach us how to pray? I imagine that they realized that the power Jesus had came from his time in prayer, from, from his prayer life. And he, they were like envy a little bit and said, we, we also want this. So teach us, Jesus. Teach us how to pray. Teach us. We want the same, the same things to follow us. We want to pray like you. They realize that power comes from time spent with God. If we don't experience breakthrough in our life, we don't, if we don't see things happening through us and in our life, it's not because God is not able. It's not because uh, we don't love God. It's not because different other things or we, we don't have the authority, it's because we don't spend that time in God's presence and let the Holy Spirit fill us with His power. 
There is something very nice happening in, in Romania right now. After revolution, there was a period of revival. It was so great to see how people received Christ, how people would come to church, how, how we had services on stadiums. You could fill a stadium, you know. Luis Palau used to come after revolution, a whole stadium. I don't know how many people, more than 10,000 gathered together, listening to, to, to the preaching of the gospel. A lot of people receiving Christ, churches built. It was awesome. It was extraordinary. We saw God's power moving in Romania. But that happened like 20 years ago or 25, something like this. And time passed. Now we have nice churches. We have nice sanctuaries. We struggle with some of the village ones. We do what, what we can to, to um, build new places where people could meet. But we kind of, we don't experience that much God's power manifested. When the Pentecostal church was planted in Romania, as I told you, we did not have great preachers. I mean, with four pastors trained every four years, you can imagine those who were our preachers were people sometimes with, who, who could hardly read, uh, know to, how to read. You know, some of them only had like two classes, two grades or four, hard for them. But one thing that characterized them, uh, we had a lot of preachers at that time who knew the Bible almost by heart. And what characterized them was that they were very spiritual men of God who spent time in prayer. And when they were praying for the sick, they would see miracles happening. When they were praying that God would pour his spirit upon, upon the church, the Holy Spirit would really move in the church. That, that's how the Pentecostal church started in Romania. And it developed and grew even during the communist time. The Holy Spirit were work, was working with power. Then the revolution came. Now we have trained and educated pastors. We have good preachers. Some of them, uh, it's not necessarily the length of the sermon, but some of them preach very nice, and it's so uh, captivating. But we look at the results and don't see a lot of results. We have comfort. We have all kinds of nice seats in some of our churches we have nice services, but we don't see the power of God manifested as we saw it before. So a group of young people, actually one of, one of the graduates from the Bible school, God laid on his heart to talk to his Sunday school class and tell them we need to seek God more. We need the feeling of the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Without the power, we can't do anything. So he told them, we'll do something. They were teenagers, and he said, we'll cancel Sunday school. We'll have only prayer meetings. Whoever wants to see God, only those to come. They were about 20 and some, and only three showed up at the first meeting. And they started meeting and, and seeking God, and God answered their prayers, prayers and started baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. When the others heard, they came one by one, so the group grew all the Sunday school class met, and God was pouring his spirit upon them. And they were spending time with God in prayer, not worrying about time, about service, about uh, uh, lessons or whatever, just spending time in God's presence. And God transformed them, and the Holy Spirit took hold of, of, of their hearts, and they were filled with passion for Jesus. And they were meeting in homes, and other young people heard, and they were coming, and, and the house wasn't big enough to hold them, so they moved into the church. The church allowed them to meet on Friday's night. They were meeting after the prayer meeting, starting at 9.30 p.m. until 1 or 2 or 3 a.m. 
time in prayer, and young people were coming. And even from my church, young people were going, and God was just baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. There was this hunger, because the new generation has a hunger for God. And there was this hunger, and, and, and they were going, and they, they were praying, and the Holy Spirit would come upon them, and they would start speaking in tongues and experiencing God's power and God's presence. And it, it, it was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. And then other people came, and other young people came, and God was working in their life. And till, so far, in like about two years, we don't have all the numbers, but I would say at least five or 600 people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit at these meetings. People coming to see God. And God would fill their hearts with the Holy Spirit. They would speak in tongues. All these people, when they meet, we have like a message at the beginning, and then we have two prayers. And each prayer is about one hour long. And what we do is that we pray in the Spirit. We worship God, and we intercede for those who need deliverance or who need the baptism of, on, in the Holy Spirit. And we kind of come together in the front and, and young people hold their hands and they pray together. They see God, girls one side, boys on the other side. And those who need the baptism or who need, who have a special need, they would come in the middle. And we, uh, we are three leaders there. We, we would pray with them, would encourage them to, and would teach them how to receive the Holy Spirit, would lay our hands on them, would pray for them. And all the others would intercede. And it's such an atmosphere it's amazing, like heaven on earth. The presence of God, you can experience it. You can feel it. And God is moving there. And we intercede for not only for those who come forward, but we intercede and pray that God would send a revival in Romania, that God would send a revival not only in Romania, but all over the world. And we believe that God is going to do that. God is raising a new generation, and we, we already, God has already told us, because one thing that happens is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not an end. It's a beginning. Some people think, oh, I need to be filled, I need to speak in tongues, and then they, they seek it, and once they experience it, they say, praise God, I have it, so it's okay, now I can do my stuff. It doesn't work like that. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is only the beginning of the walk in the power of God. And what we, we experience with these young people, we pray not only on Fridays. A group of them, now they are about 100. We call them intercessors. They meet on Thursday, Thursday, Thursday night from 6 to 8, two hours of prayer. No teaching, no music, nothing. Everyone comes, sits down. They might have headphones listening to worship music. A lot of it, it's in English, so you can do the same. You have the, the <laughs> we use your worship songs. And they would simply start praying, seeking God, praying in tongues, letting the Holy Spirit intercede through them for the needs that there are around. You know, Paul speaks in Romans 26 and says that in our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us because sometimes we don't know how to pray. And when we let the Holy Spirit intercede through us, he knows how to pray. Because he knows the will of God. He knows God and his plan. And he knows the, the, the needs of the people. And so often when you speak in tongues and you pray in tongues, you actually don't pray for yourself. You pray what the Holy Spirit wants for the needs that sometimes people at the other end of the, the world might have. And you don't know them. But letting the Holy Spirit intercede through you. 
It's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and they start doing that. And we, we pray like for two hours. And if God reveals something or give us a word, they will share it at the end. And it's, it's so wonderful. And I have another thing to share. It's not only that we pray on Thursdays and Fridays. But one thing that we encourage these young people is that they need to pray every day. And every day, we, there is an app on, on, on the telephone. And every day, from, it starts from like 9 p.m. or even earlier. But usually we say 10. All of these young people, they start praying at home. And they write, I am praying, I am praying. And you can see on the, the app... A lot of young people, I am praying, I am praying. And then they say, pray for me for, for this problem. I know these guys, have, it happened an accident. Somebody seek, pray, pray. And young people in all over the area, every night, they would start praying. And a lot of the prayers are in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues and interceding that God would work. And God starts to, to raise this generation and gives them visions. As it's, I mean, Peter was quoting from Joel, saying on the day of Pentecost that in the latter days, the Holy Spirit will be poured upon young and old, and they will have vision, prophecies, and God is doing that because God wants to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he's doing that. And I think he wants to do the same all over the world. Because we all have the same gospel, we all have the same Holy Spirit, but you know what stops us so often? And it's what we struggle with and we have been struggling with. is that we don't want to pay the price. All these blessings of God, I mean, exercising the authority, experiencing the power, God is willing to just pour them upon us. But he has some expectations. You can't experience God's power if you are not willing to pay the price. And what is, what's that price? If you read Luke, there are at least two scriptures where Luke speaks and says, I mean, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, they need to deny themselves. Pick up the cross and follow Jesus every single day. So often we want the blessings. So often we want to experience breakthrough, but we are not Willing to deny ourselves, to give up our own pleasures, to give up from our time. We spend a lot of time, I, I don't know how you spend it, maybe you watch football. Maybe. Or maybe something else. You watch basketball or baseball or whatever. And there are other things in our lives. So much time actually we waste in this life. And then we expect God to work. It doesn't work like that. If you are not willing to give up the things that we love for God, and we may, if we are not willing to make him our first priority, we can't expect the Holy Spirit to use us. All the blessings are available. All the power is available. But if we don't pay the price, it won't happen. And I'm so happy that in this time, he decided to spend time in fasting. And praying. If you are not ready to give up some of our food, some of our things that we love, and spend time with Christ, we can't expect great things. So first thing that Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 is deny yourself. Give up the things that you love so much for God. Even your life, whoever wants to save his life, 
the next verse. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. So whatever we give up for God, he has something much better for us. Much better. So let's not hold on the things that we love so much. Let's put them on the altar. Put our lives on the altar and say, here I am, Lord. I surrender. That song was powerful. Powerful. Lord, I surrender. Whatever I am, whatever I have, I put everything on the altar and I'm here. I'm yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. And I'm sure you are going to use me. The second thing that we need to give up, it's not only deny ourselves, but in chapter 14, Jesus says, who, who wants to follow me, who wants to be my disciple, all, all of those, Luke 14, if we can put those uh, verses. Um, yes, 20. If anyone comes to me and does not, Luke is very strong here, does not hate Father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. It's, it's, uh, it's an exaggeration here, intended one, obviously. So Jesus says, Who, whoever loves somebody else more than me, yeah. Yeah. it's not worthy to be my disciple. Amen. And so often we love other people more than we love God. And we say, oh, I don't want to offend him or her. And we rather offend God. I mean, come on. I think we need to put God as our priority. I think we need to love him more. And when we love God more, he pours his Holy Spirit in us. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? Not only gives us the power, but we have the fruit. You know, the Holy Spirit brings in the fruit. And then you will love. But you love not with your human love. You will love with the love of Jesus. You'll have all the joy that you need. And that joy is not dependent on circumstances. The joy that Holy Spirit can give you as you give up everything for God. That joy, you'll never lose it. You'll have it even if the doctors say you have cancer. Even doctors say you have few weeks to live you'll still have joy why because your trust in god is in god and the holy spirit who lives in you gives that joy gives you that peace gives you that faithfulness gives you all that those those fruit he is bringing those fruit out he produces them as we surrender to him as we surrender to him i'd like to close my my message. Uh, there are so many things I'd like to share with you, but I can't share all of them. I don't know how many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I suppose most. But in case there is somebody here this morning who says, oh, it's nice what you shared, but you don't know my situation. You don't know my struggles. You don't know my problems. You don't know that I've kept seeking God and asking him to fill me with his Holy Spirit. And it was like, okay, Lord, I'm, I, want, I want to speak in tongues, and it does, doesn't happen. What's the problem, Jesus? What's the problem? Is, is there something wrong with me? 
I want to experience God's power, but there is something stopping me. I don't know. What, what shall I do? We've been praying for lots of young people, and not only young people, to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's simple. It's not complicated. We sometimes, we as Christians, complicate things that God made them simple. To kind of excuse ourselves <laughs> because of our shortcomings, you know. Then we complicate things and say, oh, no, it's, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. You need to do this and that. And only afterwards, maybe God will see your desire and he will give you the Holy Spirit. Come on, it doesn't work like that. Jesus was very simple when he said in Luke, again, we are in Luke. It's nice, that gospel, I love it. Luke and Acts, I, I recommend you to read both of them as, because they are the same book, two volumes. And, and Luke, Luke, what... What Jesus says there, in, when, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, he taught them the, the Lord's Prayer and then talked about, um, uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know how it's in, in English, but uh, intercession kind of. And at the end says, who, who, who those of you, uh, can we put that verse, I think I, it's uh, Luke 11, verse 13. Who you are, uh, who are evil, you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit. To whom? To those who deserve it, him? Those who ask him. We so often misread this verse. and We say, oh, you need to deserve you need to do some things to deserve the, the Holy Spirit, His presence and His power, His feeling, infilling presence in your life. It doesn't say like that. And you never, you never read in the Gospels and in Acts, and in no, no, there is no book in the Scripture actually to tell you that you have to deserve neither salvation, it's by grace, neither the baptism of the, in the Holy Spirit. It's the same. You receive Him by grace. You can't merit it. Then how we receive it? By asking. We ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. We believe that he's going to do it. But there is something there. Uh, Luke is not saying, saying it here, but it's logical. And we can read in John chapter 7 when, when Jesus said, whoever is thirsty, come to me. And from his heart, streams of living water Will flow, And John adds, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. So in order to, to experience and to receive, you need to ask, but you need to drink it, drink kind of, to receive. And from our experience praying for so many people, it's not hard to ask. We know how to ask. But you know what's harder? To receive. Because we don't know how to receive. And there are sometimes so many things that go through our mind and we simply can't receive him. He's there. The Holy Spirit is already in us. He wants to fill us. He wants to intercede through us. But so often we are afraid and we don't open our mouth to let him speak. I had to encourage so many young people and say, you know, ask him, receive him. Open your mouth and speak in tongues. Let the Holy Spirit speak. And I've seen young people, and in a few seconds after explaining, they open their mouth 
and said, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Open their mouth, and they started speaking in tongues. So many. And I've seen others. I've been encouraging them, and nothing happens. Come on, why don't you open your mouth? And they kept praying in their language. And if you pray in Romanian or English, you can't let the Holy Spirit pray through you. So at one point in your prayer, stop asking and start receiving. And do that today and every day of your life. I don't know what you go through. But I know one thing. Our God is great. He has all the authority. And he has given this authority to his church. I know another thing. That besides his authority, he has given also the power to exercise this authority. And we as a church have so much power that all the darkness, uh, the forces of the darkness, all the evil spirits can't stand against this power. We have all the resources that the church needs to fulfill its mandate. And this, is apply, this applies to the church as a whole, but also to us as individuals. But I want to ask you, are we ready to surrender everything? Are we? Lord, help us. You are willing to fill their hearts with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are willing to make, do new things through them and open new doors. You have revealed this, Lord, to your servants in Romania. And you have revealed it to us. And we know that you have plans for this church. That's why, Lord, I pray your blessing upon every individual. I pray your blessing upon every brother and sister in this church, upon the leadership of this church. And I ask you to pour your anointing, your fresh anointing upon them. I ask, Lord, to, to, to fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, with wisdom from above. I ask, Lord, that you would give them the power and the strength that they need to make the changes that are so important in their lives. I pray that you would give them the faith that they need to trust more in you. To surrender completely. To give up and forgive the people that, they have, they, they, that hurt them. To forgive themselves so often, Lord. We know that you forgave us. But we are not willing to forgive ourselves. I pray this morning that whoever still had something against himself or herself. I pray that you would give them the power to forgive themselves today and have a fresh start in their life, knowing that you have already forgiven them, that you love them, and that all the thoughts that come through their minds are the lies of the enemies, and you speak life, and you speak love to them, and you are standing with your arms wide open to receive us, to accept every one of us. And there is nothing in our life that can stop us from experiencing your love, your peace, your presence. I pray this for every individual present today. I pray your blessing upon them and upon this church. And I know and I believe that you have great things to do among them, in this community, in this area, and through their lives, through their prayers, through their ministry, you are willing to do great things in this world. Open our eyes, Lord, to see your will. Open their eyes, Lord, to see what you have 
in store for them. And we all come at the end of this morning service and we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence among us and for the things that you have already done and the things that you are going to do in us and through us. Amen.